Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. I'm sure you can tell by the title of this episode that this is not going to be a G-rated discussion. Now would be a great time to hit pause if there are any kids around. Either head to a different room of your house, maybe throw in some earbuds, or just come back to this episode whenever you have a moment alone. But on the flip side, this might be a great conversation to listen to with your spouse. We're talking about sex today, mamas, a topic that is a great gift to us in marriage, but which can often lead to some frustration and hurt feelings. We're joined today by Francie Winslow, host of the Heaven in Your Home podcast, an outspoken advocate for biblical intimacy between husbands and wives. Well, welcome to the show, Francie. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, it's such an honor. Thank you for having me. Now, would you please just tell us a little bit more about you and your family for those who are listening who might not be familiar with your ministry? Yeah, I live with my husband and our six kids in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. So some people call it Northern Virginia. That's where we live. And we've been loving Jesus for a long time. We were church planters for a bit, missionaries, and now he's in the marketplace. And I've been mothering for all that time. Our oldest is 14, almost 15, and our youngest is four. So quite a spread in there, lots of activity and needs and busyness and a lot of beauty and a lot of hard, which we call our, sometimes Wyatt and I look at each other and we say, this is hard good. This is good. This is really hard. So yeah, I spoke for a while on this topic in MOPS groups and women's conferences, and I realized I just really want to live this with my kids and I want to live it with my husband and I want to be hosting God's presence in my home, in every room of my house from the most intimate places to the most public places. And that's kind of how Heaven in Your Home podcast was born is I wanted to be at home and I wanted to be living this and stewarding this message. And so podcasting is such a great gift because I can do it from my closet a couple of times a month and then the rest of the time just really be living this message, which is inviting Jesus into every door of my heart, every room of my heart, every room of my home, all the intimate places so that he can fill it with his love and power and I kind of laughed and you said, this is not a G-rated conversation. And I'd be like, well, actually, it he for Genesis. It is. It's a good one. It's good. And it's just in the beginning was good. And so allowing the Holy Spirit to even have time and space in my own life to continue to heal me and set me free to receive abundance that he has for me in my femininity, in my body, in my marriage, because it's all really good and it's God's territory. So I'm on a journey of freedom right alongside with you guys pursuing God's heart. And this happens to be where he's called me to stay for a while on this topic. Well, what are the gospel implications, Francie, to sexual intimacy? What's what's the big picture here? Well, the big picture is a great question. Well, we know Ephesians talks about, Paul tells us that a man and a woman are as Christ in the church, and it's a mystery. And I feel like my whole life I heard that. I'm like, yeah, it is a mystery. And it was just kind of ended there. And I was always eager to hear, there's got to be more to the story than just don't do it. And there's got to be more to the story of sexuality in general than like, it has to be this way, end of conversation. God, what is your heart? 
And actually, I, I've been pursuing this since the first year of our marriage because I knew there had to be more than what I had experienced. And so it's played out on a very personal level. But in terms of your question on a gospel level, it's beautiful because this might be a little shocking to hear, but our bodies are made in the image of God, right? And everything about our bodies is visible. And we know from Romans that God uses the visible things to reveal his invisible glory. And there's nothing more glorious that he made than our bodies and masculine and feminine humans made in the image of God. We can be in awe of like the giraffe's tall neck and the rhinoceros's big tusk. My little boy is all into all the animals. We're constantly in awe of God's creation and God's animals in our home because he's obsessed with all things like strong and jungle. But when I talk to them, my kids, I'm like, our bodies are even more amazing than anything else God created because we carry the image of God on us as male and female. And what that plays out to mean is that God is an invisible God who wants to make himself visible. So he planted and and sealed our very bodies with his image so that when we see each other, male and female, and when we see male and female come together, we see a bigger picture. And that is the beauty of Christ in the church that we see in the New Testament. But in the very beginning, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit was abounding and overflowing love, so much love that from their unity and love, they produce life. And they said, you are our image bearers so that a husband and a wife, when they come together in sexual unity, come to a place of unity that resembles the love that's in heaven, the never-ending nonstop love. And I think that's why this has become such an X-rated topic is because the enemy hates it and he doesn't want it to be glorious or good or God-revealing. And so he's done all that he can do to distort it, pervert it, steal it, stomp on it, tear it up. But we're here to say this is God's territory and it's God's glory, male and female. Sexual union is God's glory and God's beauty. And if you want to take it one step further into gospel revelation, really, I talk about our bodies, our temples of the Holy Spirit. That's God's word. Our bodies are God carriers. And so what do our bodies show us when we talk about what do we show, what do they show us about God? Well, we can see the metaphor of a man and a woman becoming one. What happens when that takes place is a seed is planted. A woman opens her body, a seed is planted, intimacy happens, and new life has the potential to grow. And if you think about God had that idea, this was not weird, this was not kinky, this was God's beautiful design. And what are the metaphors that Jesus uses in the New Testament? That a seed of faith is planted in our hearts and that he wants us to be one with him as the Father is one, as he and the Father are one, this oneness and this intimacy that leads to fruitfulness. And out of our hearts as Christians, when a seed of faith is planted and there's been union with God, fruit comes out of our life. And so that is the beautiful image that we can celebrate, that married sex is powerful and pleasurable and full of procreation, but it's also made to point us to a higher reality and a higher love story. And it's just beautiful news. And it's beautiful for us to talk to our kids about. It's beautiful for us to share with the lost world who doesn't know what the meaning of their body is. And they're so lost and hurting because they are looking for this truth. And it ultimately points us to God, whether we're single or married. And it's really such a gift. Such a great way of thinking about sex. You know, like you said, in in the world, it's been made to be such a ugly, dirty, nasty thing, but it really is such a beautiful thing the way God created it. So to have your voice talking to our moms about this, I think it's really, really important. This, I think this is going to be a very popular episode because we need to hear the positive side 
you know, you turn on the news and it's just so negative. So I think I just really, really grateful you're on with us today, Francie. Thank you, Kate. So we're all in different seasons of mothering, each one of us, all four of us. How does our sex life change over time throughout the different seasons of marriage and motherhood? Do you have any tips for the moms in different seasons of motherhood? Maybe the mom's raising littles, you know, when you feel like if another person touches me, I just (laughs) might lose it. Or, you know, raising tweens and teens, that's certainly where I'm at. And it can be hard to find a moment of intimacy when, you know, they don't go to bed. And the older moms, too. I mean, there's the the whole generation like me that, you know, it's become you married 40 years. It's just a whole different, I don't know, different approach to it. So just if you could address kind of a different (laughs) season, because, you know, you're the expert. Well, I feel like I should be turning the tables and being like, tell (laughs) me what you guys know, because you guys are further ahead than me in many of those ways in the seasons. But um, all I can speak to is my experience of being exhausted, struggling with chronic illness in our home, struggling with trauma, PTSD, lots of layers of very hard things. So there's the every mom is exhausted. And then there's just hard from life happens because we live in a broken world. And I think what I've learned in all of those seasons put together is the power of leaning in. And we often think of like, I, I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Or can we just go there? Absolutely. Bring it. Sex as a penis in a vagina and that's sex. And I think God's heart is for union and intimacy and a celebration of vulnerability together in the highs and in the lows. And there have been such deep lows in our journey that all we can do is cling to each other and fight for that oneness. And there's been such high highs that we can celebrate the incredible amount of pleasure and orgasmic potential that there is. But I think sometimes we have a very narrow view of, oh, well, I need to be able to check it off my list because it's my husband's need or it's a thing my marriage needs. And it becomes very kind of small as opposed to this expansive celebration of unity and intimacy and one flesh closeness that we need. And so I've often found Wyatt and I talk a lot about the language of leaning in and it's not, it's not the Cheryl Sandberg's leaning in. It's, it's this choice of leaning into connection when it's easier to lean out. And that has been the difference for us, I think, in our marriage thriving or dying in the hard seasons is that even when we had little ones, we chose to lean in when we weren't in the mood, when we didn't want it, when we weren't thinking, oh, I'm so excited about sex. It was less about the drive and the physical like urge as it was the choice to connect because we saw the power that came from our choice to lean into sexual connection. I will say we were already prioritizing emotional connection and spiritual connection and intellectual. We were fostering intimacy on a lot of levels, but there's something about sexual intimacy that's powerful because no one else shares that realm. You can have a friends and small group that you pray with, or you're in a book club, or you know you go on double dates with friends and enjoy community, but no one else has access to that part of your heart and his heart. And I've seen it actually as warfare in our marriage that we lean in and it is putting back the gates of hell that are trying to discourage us or pull us apart or dampen our love for each other in our the light of our home, because really that is so connected to the power of our home is connected to the power of our intimacy. 
And so I would just say, seeing it in light of the powerful gift that it is for connection, for multiplying. And I, I often think about it in terms of Genesis 1, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion. That whole process of fruitful, multiply, take dominion, which is really a missional way of living the way we all hope to live, starts with intimacy and one flesh union. And so we look at our life and like, who do we want to become? What do we want for our marriage? We want a fruitful, abundant family, not only in the number of children, but in how we live and how we love. And so how do we do that? We need to prioritize our connection and especially our intimate connection on a practical level. That has looked like, I remember when we had two little ones back to back, 16 months apart, I was doing a master's program. He was a traveling salesman. And we decided, oh man, we are totally drifting. We are becoming a roommate rut. We're just passing babies, high-fiving. He's traveling. I'm exhausted. And so we started prioritizing what we call date night every night. And it didn't, it was also, we didn't have much money and we didn't know any babysitters. So we were always waiting for date night to happen. But even when it did, we would have to come home, pay the babysitter, drive her home. And by the time we got back home, we were just like, eh, let's just go to bed. We started prioritizing date night every night. And what that looked like was at from eight to nine, and this is when we had littles, we'd put them to bed and then we would put our phones to bed and our laundry to bed and our work to bed. And we would put that all away and we would just focus on each other. And sometimes we would do tea tastings. Sometimes we would watch a series. We took a class one time, but all of that time was focused on our connection. And many of those nights were intimate. Because we were choosing to lean in and we were built, we were allowing the Lord to build something in us that we didn't know we needed, which was prioritizing each other. That could be for you, date night every night could be five minutes of eye to eye time. It could be, hey, I had a feeling today. I want to share it with you. What was your feeling? And just sharing one feeling you had is powerful, powerfully connecting. But I think the the deal is prioritizing it on purpose, your connection, whatever it looks like for you. I got a text message from my 17-year-old last night. It was just two simple words. Made it. You see, he was driving to youth group, and, and there was a little dusting of snow on the roads. And although the winds weren't too bad, he knew that I'm always nervous for him when he drives on winter streets. I didn't ask him to text me, mind you, but he just knew that my mama heart would appreciate the quick message letting me know that he and his younger brother had made it to youth group safely. And he was right. But not only was that message declaring he was physically safe, it was also a reminder to me that he was emotionally and spiritually safe. Why? Because he sent the text from a gab phone. A cell phone that looks and feels like the smartphone that all of his friends have, but that isn't connected to the internet in any way. Whenever my son leaves the house, I can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that I can get a hold of him, but that the cyber bullies, predators, and shady back alleys of social media cannot. He can call, text, and take pictures, but that's about it. In fact, he can't even participate in a group text thread, and if you've ever seen what happens in the average teen text thread, you know what a gift a one-person-at-a-time text service can be in the life of a tween or teen. To learn more or to snag a Gab phone or watch for your tweener teen, head to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's gab, G A B B wireless.com, and use promo code M O M T O M O M at checkout. 
fast forward to older years, we have older kids and our life is very full. I just posted a, a podcast episode on hotel dates, why we do it. We do it a lot and we have found ways to get good deals on hotels because in our stage with the special needs that are in our home, I'll just be straight up. It's very hard to have lengthy, intimate time where we're nourishing each other, mind, body, spirit. We can do quickies. We can make that work. But there's something about prioritizing time to really express love and to really receive love. And we used to be able to do that, but our family has gotten to the point where for us, it doesn't have to be this for probably anybody else, but we are in a stage where we've decided to do regular hotel dates and we don't spend the night. We go for like four hours and we price line it. And so we get a good deal. And for the same amount of money that we would spend on dinner and a movie, we go to a hotel and often it includes a nap and often it includes some conversation. And then it also includes uninterrupted intimate time where we can be. And we might share what we've learned lately, or we might be reading a sex book together to try to like stoke our flames a little bit. But it's really just time to say, hey, we're leaning in because I guess I come to you with like, hey, life is hard. It's not a cakewalk, but leaning into intimacy is worth it every time. And I will say the last five years have been particularly difficult, but I'm so grateful that in those years of littles, we built into our marriage because now that the fire has really turned up in our life of trials, we have real sturdy foundation that we're standing on together. And so I'll say that it's been worth it. Every minute of intentionally prioritizing it and growing together has been worth it. So we could talk about like lots of little practicals on a daily basis, but those are the big things is what does it look like in this season to really put our stake in the ground and say, hey, we're going to prioritize this, we're going to celebrate it, and we're going to choose to lean in. Mm -hmm. It's so good, Brancy. It's so good. I've been in all of those seasons and even in my current season of femininity and um, sexual intimacy with my husband, I can 100% agree with everything you've just said. And I've lived that out. And I can say for the mama listening, it is such solid advice because it's so important. So prioritizing is important, even when you don't feel the um, attraction or the mood. It's just becoming intimately attached, whether it begins emotionally or spiritually and taking the time. Yeah. I will say that I, I feel like pushing a little bit against the culture's view of like high drive or low drive because to what you're saying, September, it feels like I don't relate to that really at all. If you want to categorize me or put a label, I'd be the low drive. But I've never received that as my identity as a wife because we are not measuring. I think it's kind of a world standard that we might have bought into in our conversation because this was God's gift for our marriage. It's not a man's need. It's not my duty to meet it. It is a powerful, truly supernatural gift for the bonding of our hearts, minds, and bodies and for the celebration of joy and pleasure that only we can experience that floods our body with healing hormones, really, that heal us, that renew our immune system, that solidify our sleep. It's so good for our bodies. And then also the power of sexual intimacy to even grieve together. I'll be really honest that we've been in a series of hard on top of hard. And recently, neither of us felt good. We both had like cough drops in our mouth. He had just come home from a traveling work trip and we were like, we need to connect we're so exhausted. We were intimate. And afterwards, and I received an amazing amount of pleasure. 
because we've learned each other's bodies, we've worked hard to get to know what how that works. And afterwards, I had like this high of an orgasm and then I just burst into tears and I needed that emotional release with him. And so I guess I want to paint a picture of like how powerful it is, how much of a gift it is for our marriage and how much we need it. And I think the world likes to say it's about drive. And if you have a high, then you have a high. If you're a low, you're kind of a drag on the marriage. I think there's a false dichotomy. And I think we can choose to move in a little closer to God's heart and and be curious about what does it look like to really celebrate this and grow it no matter where you are, high or low. I put that in quotation marks as just like a sexual person made in the image of God made to foster and grow this together. I think in my husband and I's relationship, I would be you know, labeled the one with lesser drive if we're going to buy into the the world's definition of sexuality. But one thing that helps me, actually, I'll say two things. Two things that helped me is one, I always remember, you know, I get so much connection from my husband through great conversations when he's willing to just listen and and interact and have great things to say back. And in the same way that I feel really connected to him through words, he feels really connected to me through sexual intimacy. And just as much as I wouldn't like it if he just sat there like a bump on a log and never said anything back to me and and acted like he didn't care what I was saying, acted like he wasn't interested in the conversation. If I do that same thing in in our sexual relationship, he would be just as hurt. You know, it it goes both ways and it helps me to lean in, as you're saying, if I, if I remember that, that I wouldn't want him to cut me off in our conversation connection. So why would I want to cut him off in our physical connection? And then the second thing is when I do lean into that, even if I'm not quote unquote in the mood, right? you know, practice really does get you there. You know, so if you are, even if you start out an intimate moment, not really being all that in the mood. You know, you have breast milk on your shirt because you were just nursing and you're exhausted. Maybe you did just come off of a long stint of people having colds in your house and you're tired and you're just not in the mood. But as you lean in, you're sort of bracing the will and eventually you do get in the mood. So you might as well just start. Yeah. And that's called a responsive desire where you're kind of, eh, I could or I couldn't. But once your body gets warmed up, your your body is responding to arousal and the cyclical cycle of desire can take over, which is a gift. And uh, honestly, like as, as I have grown, I'll just say as a mother, it has been tricky with body changes and season changes with nursing or having babies. Loving my body has been tricky and honoring and blessing my body and not just seeing it as a baby maker or as, okay, I can just get to please my husband with this. But like in the image of God, I am a female. And if you look at the male and female anatomy, there are messages and stories written on the bodies of a male and a female. And the message written on a man is one of strength and initiation. And the message written on a woman's body is one of beauty and receptivity. And if we listen to that, sex can actually be a place of restorative pleasure for us tired moms. And it's taken me a long time to get there because shame was such a huge brick wall in my way. Shame and disconnection from my body. Because I was raised, as most of us were, in this more disconnected way of seeing. Our spirituality, really good, really powerful. I love Jesus. Everybody's like, you're awesome. You love God. 
and then nothing about my body. And so I was really trained. I trained my brain and my body to disconnect. And so I, uh, when it came to trying to feel pleasure, I had to learn to pay attention to my body and I had to learn to go slowly. Even throughout the day, Kegels are a great way to kind of rev your engine. They say don't do Kegels a ton when you're peeing because it's not good for your bladder, but you find that muscle by squeezing while in your mid-piece urine stream and then letting go. That's your pelvic floor muscle. And if you do Kegels at the stoplight or while you're stirring spaghetti, it's just a way to pay attention of like, wow, there's something down there and my body is amazing. It's not a shameful thing that I feel that. It's not a shameful thing to be aware of that. And beginning to bless your body and to come in agreement with the fact that God made you and called you good. And he didn't skip over certain body parts in that declaration of goodness. It wasn't like your mind is good and your heart is good and your hair is beautiful, your genitals, ah, let's skip that and go on to the rest. All of you is good. And having to really do that work with the Holy Spirit so that when I came to time with my husband, my heart and my faith had been talking and thinking about that and allowing the Lord to heal where I believe lies. And then my body could more readily receive because um, it's a more integrated experience. It's not just, okay, now go have sex and be sexy. It was more like, okay, my body is good. I'm coming into agreement with mind, body, spirit, God's truth. And then realizing, wow, for me to receive pleasure from my husband actually gives him a great amount of strength and confidence as a man, which he needs as his masculine soul He needs to know that he can bring you pleasure and your feminine soul and body and your mother body who's so tired needs to be nourished. And that is a way for you, even if it's hard to imagine right now, God designed your body to be nourished in that space and time with caresses and kisses and massage and then more intimate things can be a place of, I think, recharging your battery. And so many times as a mom, I'm like, I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm so tired. But I say yes. And then I am I feel so nourished afterwards. And that was a lot of, for me, a lot of years into learning how to receive. But it's a conversation worth having with the Lord and with your husband. How am I at receiving pleasure? And is that hard for me to receive? Because we live so much of our days as moms, giving, 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 meeting needs. Oh, let me just meet your need. Let me just do that for you. But to be on the receiving end is actually really in agreement with your image-bearing beauty. Now, I imagine there's a, a mom listening out there who's thinking, well, I don't want to have sex with him because he never gives me anything in return. We don't go out on dates. He's never complimentary. He doesn't do the kisses and the caresses and the the warming up. He never helps around the house. What would you say to encourage and maybe speak some hard truths to this mom? Well, I would just, A, want to honor her because each of our journey is so different. And I am not a counselor and I um, don't know all the parts of each of these stories. So I'm always really hesitant to give advice because people's stories are so precious to God and so unique and so layered. And so at first, I just want to honor If you're listening and your heart is kind of beating fast, just know that your story matters and God sees you in the places you're not getting your needs met. And God also, I believe, wants more for you and your marriage. And so my hope and prayer is that you could have conversations that are honest with your husband who say, hey, I want abundance with you in the bedroom and without out of the bedroom. What would it look like for us to take another step? towards growing in our sex life so that it can be meaningful and powerful 
for you and for me? And what could I do in loving you? And then maybe there's a few things you could say after he answers, this is what would be meaningful to me. And sometimes our husbands need step-by-step-by-step-by-step instructions, and they can't read our minds. And so if you're married to a good man who is honoring of you, I would say maybe give that a try. I never want anybody to take the advice that I'm giving if they're in an abusive situation or in a harmful and hurtful. So if that is you, I love you, and I encourage you with all my heart to get help because you're worth it. But if you are in a a healthy marriage that's just kind of gone flat because you're tired and the grind of life has gotten to you, maybe initiate a conversation of, hey, babe, I would love to have a steamy sex life again, or let's re-engage, you know, mind, body, spirit together so that we can grow. This is what I would love to have you say to me to kind of get my wheels turning. What could I say to you? And it could just start with sweet words. It could start with what would it look like for us to um, practice Can I practice showing you love in the bedroom? What would that look like? And kind of going first. Those are just some ideas. I love how that sounds like an invitation and not an accusation. And I think that that really will make the difference is, you know, you're speaking your heart to him and saying, I do want this sexual union to be um, exciting. And I, I do want us to come together in unity in this way. Let's talk about ways that we can do that together. And it's it's definitely more an invitational posture. Well, Francie, thank you so much for joining us. This has been hard, but like you said, a good and and dare I say, a necessary conversation for many of us. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The world has such a fractured view of sex, but I think part of the reason sex has become so distorted in our culture is because We're not having these kinds of conversations. God designed sex to be good, you guys. So let's steward his gift well by nurturing intimacy with our spouse and by being the generation of women who talk honestly about it to each other. 